Holy cow, these guys are maniacal. Hello, all, and welcome to another edition of the Mets Maniacs Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Wilkes, along with co-host Uncle Mike, Mike Bresnak. Recapping the latest Padres series at home where we took two out of three, we saw masterful performances from who else? Jacob deGrom and Marcus Stroman. We were almost in line for the sweep. We ended up blowing that game, but that's okay. Two out of three works. We're winning series out here. We won nine of 11 series. We're now seven games over 500. Uh, including a 17-6 and six record at home. So the boys are feeling the home energy. Keep it up for all you guys that are able to make it out to the games. Let's keep watching as fans here as well. Uh, thank you all for listening, as always. And you can follow us on Twitter, at MetsManiacsPod, on Instagram, MetsManiacs underscore, and online at MetsMariseOnline.com. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts as well. Helps people find the show. Uh, and in this episode, too, we'll be recapping that series, as I mentioned, and we'll also be talking about um, when we expect some players to come back from the injured list. We have McNeil and Conforto coming back. Uh, very excited for that. Uh, and then Nimmo shouldn't be too far behind them. So I only expect us to get better, and it's going to be very excited moving forward. So stay tuned, and we'll be coming right at you. They're trying to stay away from me, outside and low, you know. Uh, they, they know you're a Deadpool hitter. Yeah, I'm getting some respect in the league, so. <laughs> All right, well, let's recap the Mets series here. Um, we're looking at the Padres series that we played at home. Uh, we took two out of three. This was a great series, just showing once again that the Mets can compete with the top of the National League talent-wise. Um, it was great to see a home crowd again. I guess, uh, you know, this was the, the largest crowd that we had this year uh, over this series. And it was good to hear the excitement of the Mets fans and kind of elevate my own. Um, so we'll start with Friday's game, uh, June 11th. Uh, we had DeGrom up on the hill and, you know, it was just electric at City Field. Uh, if you were at the game, definitely envy you. I'm jealous. Uh, need to see him at some point this year. He went six innings, allowed one hit, struck out 10. I mean, he was just dominating Padres hitters, uh, making them look like Little League players. He uh, only pitched 80 pitches, and then he left. He had tendinitis. Um, He should be fine, though. It seems that he's still in line to make his start on Wednesday against the Cubs. Uh, So that was a a brief scare. But uh, it's just such a joy to see him go out there and blow away hitters, especially the caliber of the Padres lineup, especially given the fact that he pitched to them in his last start five days ago on the road. So you think that might be a disadvantage to the pitcher. Little did they know DeGrom was taking notes on the hitters and he comes out there and just blows them away. Yeah. That you, what you just said is exactly what I thought might be the issue is Jacob DeGrom facing probably the best national league lineup twice within a week. Uh, And it's two consecutive starts for him. And I thought that the, Padres would have made adjustments that would have allowed them to be uh, wait on some of those sliders that are outside to righties, uh, like kind of look first pitch fastballs, especially lefties. He was peppering first pitch inside fastball the entire, uh, pretty much the entire game to any lefty hitter. 
uh, that that's kind of what I was expecting Padres to make adjustments and DeGrom to give up a couple more hits because honestly, his first start, there were some tension points. They had that bases loaded in the fourth inning. They had uh, Fernando Tatis let off an inning with a double, was stranded on third. Nobody got – there was one one person got on. Will Myers got on and got erased by a caught stealing two pitches later. But for, other than that, it was 18 up, 18 down over the six innings DeGrom pitched, and he looked unbelievable. Even that sixth inning where he comes out and – I thought it was a little weird that his velocity was, like, way down for him. Uh, the first pitch he threw in the sixth inning, I think, was like 96 miles an hour. And I said to my dad, like, I hope he's all right. Like, that's weird. Uh, winds up throwing like 98, uh, still sliders and everything, uh, and gets a one, two, three, sixth inning, still looking dominant. And it just goes to show that Jacob DeGrom isn't good because he throws 101 miles per hour. Jacob DeGrom is good because his stuff is absolutely nasty, and he also happens to throw 101 miles per hour. No, exactly. And he's in command of every pitch that he throws. Um, so Jacob deGrom, through 10 starts this year, has a .56 ERA. That's the lowest in MLB history <laughs> through 10 starts. He's pitched 64 innings. He has 103 strikeouts. Uh, his whip is .53. I mean, you know, it's it's almost unbelievable. Uh, it's such a joy to watch. He's walked eight batters. <laughs> yes, he's, he is. Four, he's given up four earned runs and has five RBIs. He literally has video <laughs> game numbers. He's walked eight batters. He struck out 103. Um, yeah. And, and let's, let's go to what you like. It, it's just, it's just amazing to talk about. And then offensively too, in this game, he drove in two runs, right? He got uh, help from Snell who uh, balked on the mound uh, so there's runners on first and second. He balked, kind of did Degrom's job for him, even though you could maybe make an argument that he shouldn't be bunting. Uh, given the fact that the guy's hitting 400 this year, or was after his next hit, he lines one to left field to bring in two. I mean, just clutch hitting, timely hitting. Um, it's just it's not an anomaly. We know he's actually a good hitter, and uh, I mean the guy's a video game character. I think you summed it up the best. Yeah, I think the funniest part about that at-bat that you just mentioned where he hits the two-run single is the first person at-bat, he showed bunt and slashed, uh, took the bunt back and swung, and Manny Machado almost dove into his own dugout. Uh, he was charging on the bunt, saw the ground, pull it back, and like like ran out of play. So he wanted to he knows hit. what's coming, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got DeGrom swinging that bat, you got to watch out. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. So great to see. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, hope he's all right. It sounds like he is all right. Didn't he? Didn't sound concerned. Rojas didn't really sound concerned. Uh, sound a little bit more precautionary than anything else. Uh, that Degrom was like not feeling himself, uh, and they just didn't want to push it. It's not like if it was a playoff game, I'm sure he would have. I'm sure it would have been a different story. But uh, he knows that like he's coming back from an injury, he hasn't went all that far into a game, and do- doesn't want to push himself, especially when it's June, especially when there's a ton of pitching help who's been delayed uh and when the rest of the team is pretty much injured a lot of starters still injured he wants to be around he wants to be able to contribute to the team still and i think that was kind of the reason why he was taken out uh which i guess is good jacob Degrom knows his body better than anybody else probably better than any other pitcher in the mlb so if he says something doesn't feel right i trust him take him out and if he also says something that it's not a serious injury that he believes he could pitch again and make his next start then i also believe that and i my cause for concern goes way down. No, exactly. I, I totally agree. Um, so we ended up winning this game three, two, and then, you know, just a quick note, I want to make the first run we scored were uh, back-to-back doubles from 
uh, Pilar and McKinney to get that first run on the board. So just, again, shout out uh, to both those players for continuing to uh, perform offensively and defensively. Um, and we had Castro come on after DeGrom left uh, to start the seventh. He ends up giving up a two-run homer. Uh, he'd left that game with a neck injury, but uh, it, it shouldn't be serious. Um, and then we had Lugo come on to get two outs. Uh, and Lugo's really looked, you know, we understand the importance of having him in the bullpen again, I think. Uh, just over this series, too, he really showed why he's such a critical piece of this pen. Um, you know, Loop came in after him. He got two outs, including a nice strikeout. And then Diaz, with his 11th save of the year, uh, went to get a four-out save. So, you know, great by the Mets bullpen to lock down this win. Again, didn't give up a single run uh, against a team with the offensive caliber of the Padres. So, um, great to see. We go into uh, Saturday's game here, right? We had uh, Stroman on the hill. Stroman's been incredibly consistent this year, and he showed it again in this game. He went six and third. Uh, he gave up one home run, struck out eight um, on six hits. This was another great game. It was really a great um, series, I think, for Mets fans to feel uh, the elation and just to get really excited about this team. Lindor had a huge home run in the first. Uh, again, this was off Musgrove. He hit a home run against Musgrove in uh, his last start uh, just a week ago. So it shows that he has his number. Uh, Lindor continues to uh, have a better approach at the plate and show what he's capable of and why we signed him. So that's great. We end up winning this game 4 one. Um, we also have Viargo deep and we get another strong performance from the bullpen. Um, what what uh, what stuck out to you about this game? What do you what do you have on this one? Uh, I felt really good about this game and the fact that the Mets can kind of put the series away, win the series, not necessarily sweep it, but win the series in the first two games, I think was awesome. You mentioned it. Stroman, obviously amazing. When you start looking at like kind of uh, playoff scenarios and the Mets one, two, three, as of right now being DeGrom, Stroman, Taiwan Walker, like we're, I'm not even including Carlos Carrasco, Noah Syndergaard. I'm not necessarily sure what we're getting out of them this season, but just those three alone, top 15 in the ERA, that's a solid three starters who are all capable of going six to seven innings, giving up no runs or one run. And that's kind of the starting pitching caliber that like wins playoff series, especially obviously DeGrom, but like Stroman and Taiwan Walker, nothing to sneeze at either. They both have ERAs, I believe that are just above a two. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me see. <clears throat> Stroman's ERA is, a two three three right now, and I think Walker's is like a two oh one or two oh nine or something. His is even lower, but yeah, they look so solid. And Marcus Stroman, I think, is becoming one of those guys that the Mets almost have to re-sign during free agency this year. He's been that good, and his approach with his teammates and his approach on Insta- uh, on Twitter, just being so positive and super like teammate oriented, team oriented. Uh, Somebody I think is just like a great presence around that locker room. I think almost has to stay with the Mets. And he's super, super happy to be with the Mets. It's like he's he's one of the happier players, more, one of the more outspoken, happier players I've seen pretty much on any social media platform. And he brings great vibes, great energy. And this year he's bringing incredible production. It's production you can't really uh, you can't really counter because you think of the Mets signing them on a qualifying offer 18.9 for this year you thought hey you don't really know where you're going to get at Stroman didn't pitch in 2020 so it's kind of been two two years since he's last made his last appearance and he's been super solid always has great energy throughout the entire day gold glove caliber pitcher you just got to be happy with what the Mets have right now and I think the Mets should explore re-signing him through a three four-year deal after this because he's been that kind of guy that is you could 
10 into your rotation, you know, six solid innings from and be, be very happy with the results. No, I, I definitely agree. It's been amazing to watch him pitch. I think he earns uh, and deserves a longer term contract. I'd like to see him stay with the Mets. A couple points on that, too. One, it's funny to see just uh, the contrast between Stroman and DeGrom. And I love when Stroman gets to pitch at home because you can see he's really feeding off the energy of the crowd. Not to say that any of the Mets starters aren't, but uh, Stroman's definitely the most expressive about it, the most vocal. Like He's showing his emotions on the mound. Could not be any more different than DeGrom. When DeGrom goes out there, he's not showing any emotion, regardless of what's happening. You know, the guy is locked in uh, cold. Uh, Stroman's out there and, you know, he's, uh, you know, fist bumping, he's swaggering, he's dancing after strikeouts. And I love it. I'm not saying there's something wrong with either. It's just funny to see how different they are uh, throughout uh, their respective success. And also, I think you have to make the case that Taiwan Walker at the beginning of the season, you know, we labeled what we thought were going to be the Mets X factor, meaning what uh, Mets player is most crucial to their success this season. And I think it has to be Taiwan Walker. I mean, I don't think anyone expected this guy to come out and, you know, give this uh, performance that he's been giving. I mean, he's pitching to a 207 ERA. That's good for seventh in the majors, fifth in the NL. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, in, in the majors, there are two Strowman's at 15th uh, with a 233 ERA. So these three guys, like you said, they can go toe to toe with any trio in the majors or the National League. And honestly, are probably the best in that three set. So um, I think the Padres series are kind of a good test to that, too. Um, so with, you know, Darvish, Snell and Musgrove and even Paddock, I mean, they have a good rotation as well. Very good. Uh, so the fact that we're able to, you know, split the series on the road and then take this series at home just shows you that, yeah, we can go toe to toe with the best of them. Um, the other point I want to make for Saturday's game is the return of Louis Guillaume. Um, great to see him back there. He played second, made some beautiful plays, made some great stops, uh, made a beautiful play ranging to his right. He didn't get the outs. Uh, forget who was running. I was just shocked he was able even to get to that ball. But him and Lindor turned a couple very slick double plays. Uh, just good to have that uh, defensive stronghold up the middle and great to have another player back. Kind of just on that note too, uh, McNeil is going to, uh, he's, he's making uh, some rehab starts and we could expect him back as soon as uh, next weekend, maybe next week. Uh, and then Conforto is maybe a week behind him. So uh, we're starting to get some players back. So it'll be interesting to see how we shake things up. I don't think too much will change until we get Nimmo back. Um, we have to make a move in the outfield. But again, these are good problems to have. Yeah. And one more thing I want to touch on that game is uh, there's Lugo, who's the eighth inning kind of uh, kind of doorstop. The, the guy that uh, came to the eighth inning to allow <clears throat> for the hold, I guess, as opposed to Trevor May. And I think that's due to Trevor May has been really struggling lately. Uh, and I think this is kind of a situation where Luis Rojas kind of wants May to get into a couple of low leverage situations, get his confidence back and then start ramping him up because Trevor May, Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz for 7th, 8th, nine is freaking as dangerous as it comes. And then for the 6th inning, you have like an Aaron Loop, you have Familia, you have Miguel Castro. So you have a lot of options in this bullpen once Trevor May gets his confidence back. And I'm fully, I'm fully confident in the fact that Trevor May will, get, will return back to form, that form he was back in uh, late April, early May. Uh, he's just a really good pitcher and is a great competitor. He's gotten a week off. I don't think he's pitched since that Padres series last time, uh, the first Padres series. So I think he's going to be leaned on heavily in the upcoming series. I think he's going to get 
a taste in a couple low leverage situations, a couple large run ball games, just so he can get his confidence back, just so he can pitch without pressure. And I really like, other than actually Sunday, I really like the way Luis Rojas has managed some of the pieces in this bullpen, gain, allowing them to gain confidence and then starting to put them in bigger situations. And they haven't really faltered either, which is really nice to say. Uh, and I think, like you had mentioned, Seth Lugo coming back, being able to be one of those really dependable relievers as soon as he gets off the IL is so huge for this Mets bullpen, especially because Edwin Diaz has looked super, super good. <clears throat> and Lugo was always – Lugo obviously was kind of the front runner for the closer role last year and in 2019 when Diaz wasn't solid. So the fact that Diaz is really solid, Lugo is a pitcher who's capable of stretching out to multiple innings. You get you a four or five out hold type thing. Uh, I think he's just another key to this bullpen. And I'm really excited because the bullpen, which we thought was going to be a little bit lackluster heading into the season, has looked as solid as any bullpen in the league. And Edwin Diaz, I tweeted this Friday night when Edwin Diaz had that four-out save. I'm tired of looking at Jared Kalenic and uh, Justin Dunn, the guys we traded over in that Mariners trade. Edwin Diaz is helping the Mets win in 2021. Neither of those guys would have. And the Mets are much better having a closer in Edwin Diaz than any other closer that they could have had. Yeah, no, I think that's the correct way to look at it, especially because we're poised to make a run, not only now, but, you know, for years in the future. So uh, it's great to have him on the team. Uh, I think that's just something, you know, we, we like to do as Mets fans, but it's just um, it, it isn't productive. So uh, great to see Diaz, you know, really shine and have Mets fans get behind him. I think he deserves any every ounce of praise that he gets. Um, moving into Sunday's game uh, on paper going into this, you know, it definitely looks like a toss-up to be generous. We have Lucchese on the mound going against Paddock for the Padres. Um, that being said, Lucchese looked great. He pitched five innings, four hits, one earned run, six strikeouts. In his last three starts now, he's only allowed one earned run uh, in all three, uh, as in one earned run each start, that is. Um, he hasn't gone far into games. This is the deepest I think he's been, uh, pitching five full now, you could make the argument, too, that he should have went into the sixth inning. Uh, he, he was going to face the top of the order. And again, Lucchese is a lefty and you have uh, a lot of you know prominent righties on the Padres at the top of their order in Fam, Machado, Tatis, Myers. Uh, they're a formidable lineup. If you look at the splits, Lucchese, third time around the batting order, he is uh, pretty not not good, not good. Some would say uh, maybe maybe trash, but. Again, he's pitched a lot better recently. So I'm saying that there is an argument to be made to put him in there again for the six. I understand why Rojas didn't. Uh, I think people will talk about this game with Familia. He ended up going one and two thirds. Um, and Tatis got us on a grand slam. Again, Barnes was pitching when that happened. Uh, but Familia's control was kind of um, all over the place in the second inning. I think he looked gassed when he was out there and um here it's difficult. Uh, I, I think it was, you know, we're, we're trying to give our bullpen a rest, guys like uh, Lugo, um, Loop, who pitched the last two days. I might have considered putting in uh, May here, although you said like he has struggled. I don't think Barnes has looked good this year either. Um, so difficult call. Uh, this is one of those games where it'd be nice to have a Sean Reed Foley, again, who I think would be on the team for certain if we didn't have so many injuries. So in a game where Reed Foley's in, after five innings from Lucchese, you might get two, maybe even three at a Reed Foley. But if you go two, you could then do uh, Familia pitching in the eighth and then May to close it out in the ninth, I think is how you dream it up. 
what are your thoughts there with Familia, Lucchese, uh, thoughts on, you know, Rojas's play in the bullpen? How, how do you think he did it and would you do it differently? So for my thoughts for Lucchese is I really liked how Lucchese first pitcher, first batter of the game, Tommy Family gives up a home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then settled, I thought it from there, I was listening on the radio, I was driving home from a wedding and, uh, as soon as Howie Rose says, and that ball's out of here, I was like, oh, my God, this could be the longest day ever. And I was partially right, but it wasn't because Joey Lucchese pitched bad. He actually pitched really well. Against the Padres, <clears throat> his former team, a team that, again, has seen him two starts in a row now. So I think that gives you a little bit of a little bit of a confidence in Joey Lucchese. And he hasn't been good this year. There's been no doubt about it. His last three starts have been really solid, but prior to that, if you take his year as a whole, it hasn't been a good year for him. So I do understand why Luis Rojas is hesitant to put him out for a third inning. I think he's only pitched through the batting order a third time once this year. Uh, so I do understand that, especially when the batting order coming up in the top of the six was the top of the order. It was Tommy Pham, Fernando Tatis, and Manny Machado. Uh, all righties, all who mash lefties, who pretty much mash everybody, but especially lefties. Uh, so I, I, get, I understand the hesitance there. Uh, I think going forward, I might let him pitch a third time through the order. I think right now in this like vacuum, I have a little bit more confidence in Joey Lucchese than I do in David Peterson. Uh, but that's just because Peterson's last three starts have been horrific and Lucchese's have been very solid. Uh, but I don't have a problem bringing Familia in for the sixth. Got into trouble, got out of trouble without giving up any runs. I have a huge problem bringing him into the seventh, especially when he started to host that fucking walkathon, where he's just walking guys like on four pitches. He like wasn't finding the zone at all. Uh, I would have taken him out there. Then bringing in Jacob Barnes with the bases loaded and tie game. Jacob Barnes has been probably our worst reliever this year in the sense that like he can't do anything right. Uh, he gives up a ton of home runs, and that's exactly what he does. Gives up grands on Tatis, gives up a home run to Machado, literally the next batter before he gets out of the inning. Uh, I don't know who I would have brought in. Uh, I think I would have probably started Drew Smith in that seventh inning and see where that went and maybe even given Drew Smith the eighth. If not, maybe I give – like I, I don't like Jacob Barnes, so I don't really want to give him any innings. But I guess depending on what the score was after that Drew Smith inning, maybe I go Jacob Barnes if we're losing. Uh, maybe I try to go like Robert Gazelman for an inning. Uh, I think he was still available off the uh, off the bench, but maybe they're trying to save Gazelman for today because you don't know what you're going to get out of Peterson. Who knows? And then I think had the game been tied or we've been winning, I would have brought Trevor May in for the save. But regardless, uh, I don't like Familia getting that second inning. Uh, I do agree with you. I think they're actually bringing Sean Reed fully up today uh, because he can eat up innings in the event that Peterson can't go far into a game, which you honestly have no idea. Uh, the fact that Peterson can go eight innings against the Rays and then go two-thirds of an inning and an inning and a third against the Diamondbacks is absolutely insane. The inconsistency is something you have to actually plan for. Uh, you have to have contingency plans in place whenever he pitches, which is definitely obviously not ideal. But don't necessarily like famili- – I guess the only decision I don't like is familiar going the second inning and then bringing out Barnes in a tie game. Uh, but – it, I tweeted this. It was frustrating because the Mets had that game. Through six innings, the Mets were winning 2-1. Uh, obviously, the bullpen was very depleted, but it was a game the Mets weren't expected to win, especially Joey Lucchese on the bomb, especially winning the first two games of the series. Uh, Jose Peraza, who's been 
Howie Rose had Jose Peraza's career against the Padres. He's been at like 340, like some ungodly number against the Padres, which makes no sense because he never played in the NL West. But uh, Mets, yeah, through six innings, had this win, had the sweep in, like in their grasp, and then the inability for the bullpen to close it out. Familia obviously gassed going into that seventh inning. Shouldn't have happened. Uh, whatever. End of the day, you're happy. Mets in a seven-game series against the Padres took four games. Uh, both the ground starts, both Stroman starts. Uh, and the depleted Mets won another series. I think they've won nine of their last 11. So you just wait. I guess, like you mentioned, McNeil comes back hopefully by next weekend, Conforto the weekend after. So you're just waiting to get healthy. And you can't be upset with winning series. Yeah, can't be upset with winning series. Uh, and we're also – uh, seven games above 500. We're sitting atop the NL East. So given everything that's happened to our team, I think, again, like you can criticize Rojas still, of course, because I think he did make the wrong decision here. But overall, he's still doing a great job of this Mets team and the stats prove that. Um, and going from what you said, too, I think we've only lost two series since early May. And that's when we were swept by the Rays. And then we dropped a series against the Marlins. Um, so that's exactly what this team needs to do. Uh, with this series win over the Padres, we're now 17 and six at home, which is almost a 750 winning percentage. So that's just uh, that's incredible. Uh, love to see these guys uh, rake at City Field. We are entering a four game set against Chicago, where today we have uh, on Monday, this is June 14th, David Peterson on the mound against Arietta. Uh, like you said, too, I mean, Peterson has struggled, especially mightily as of recent. I think he has somewhere around a nine ERA in his last four starts. So um, I think the Mets are going to be taking a closer look at this start, especially. And if he really struggles, he might not be starting even the week after. That being said, he's going against Arietta, who's not the Arietta of the past. Um, you know, so I think it's definitely a winnable game, a game where our offense can put up uh, a lot of runs. So uh, we'll see. But if we keep on winning series in the manner that we have been, I think we're going to set ourselves up. Very nicely. Again, as we've been noting on the podcast, we have a, a bunch of games coming up now. This is a big stretch run for the team. So as we get more players back and just continue to perform as we have been, I think we can just continue to lengthen our lead in the NL East uh, and, and build up some games over 500. Yeah, it's been exactly a month since uh, since Conforto McNeil went down in that game three Game three against the Rays. So what is that? Ten series since then. Mets have won nine of those series with the replacements. Uh, there's seven games over 500. Three game divisional lead. I mean, actually, the Yankees couldn't have helped us out less this weekend, losing to the Phillies pretty much every game. Uh, but like you said, Mets are for where the Mets are health wise. For the narrative of what the season has been, if you wrote a book right now about what the Mets season has been with all the injuries and everything, the slow starts offensively to begin the year. To be seven games over 500, three games in, three games ahead of the National League East, I think you're extremely confident in this Mets team going forward. And I'm excited because I'm going to the, hopefully the DeGrom start Wednesday. If anybody's there, feel free to tweet at, tweet at me. We'll go we'll meet. We'll grab a beer type thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. My Uncle Mike a beer. Find him at City Field. <laughs> pick him out. You'll see him have a big grin in his face. But, yes, uh, excited. We should only theoretically get better as we get obviously our starters back from the injured list. So I just like the momentum this team is carrying. Uh, and yeah, we should only become more formidable as the season goes on. So uh, with that being said, I think we'll wrap there. Uh, as always, blast doing this podcast. Thank you all for listening. I'm Ty Wilkes. He's Uncle Mike, Mike Bresnak. 
You can follow us on Twitter at MetsManiacsPod, on Instagram, MetsManiacs underscore, and also online on MetsMariseOnline.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Helps people find the show. And let's go Mets. Thank you, Uncle Mike. Enjoy your week. Thank you.